Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are Our code is, we leave the nest, and there's a subcode next to it, and the subcode is, go out, reach out, and multiply. Go out, reach out, multiply. A lot of us are wearing these shirts today. These shirts are actually the shirts of this code, to go out, to reach out, to multiply, to leave the nest. Um, it will be weird uh, for that adult nest, uh, for that adult bird to continue to hoard and to keep everything within the nest that they lived in since they were born. They need to go and create more nests, and they need to go and create family, and they need to build on that which has been developed within their nest. And we're gonna discuss a little bit about this. But I have learned, and if you've ever sat or ever gone through a study from this code, you've probably heard me say this before or in another message, where I have learned the importance of nests. Nests are very important. I used to have a game with my sister when we're from Key West, and um, whenever we would go visit our family in Key West, we would drive down, there's only one road to Key West, and we would be in the back seat, and we would play a nest game, because on the poles, you would see all the nests. If you've ever been to the Keys, um, you know what I'm talking about. I don't know if they still have that, but, but back in the days, all the poles would have bird nests, and we would count them, and it was like punch buggy, but we would do uh, different rules with the nest, and we would see nests everywhere. They've always been captivating to me. Um, nests are very interesting. But when you think about a nest, I want you to think about the importance of that. What does a nest do? Well, it provides, it provides a safe place. It's, it, uh, first, there's eggs in there. And the nest provide a safe place for those eggs, for the young birds to develop. And that's why the nest, physical nests, are so important. Birds' nests are extremely different and diverse. There's all kinds of um, experts could see a, a nest of an eagle and compare it to a nest of another kind of bird, and they'll be able to tell you which kind of bird builds those kind of nests. There's people that study that. But they're extremely diverse, these nests. And although each uh, species uh, had their own characteristic, they do that within their own nest and how they build their nest and, and, and the ways that they grab the material and intertwine it. It's very interesting if you get online and you study it. But some birds, they construct nests from natural materials, and we know that. We see them sometimes flying, and I like to look at them to see where they go. If I can catch them and I'll find the nest, they, they pick up grass and they build nests from grass, leaves, mud even, leaching, fur, or from even man-made materials. You've probably seen them pick up paper at some point, or plastic, they, they'll even grab yarn if you leave yarn out. There's people that leave yarn out in a certain place in front of their house. I don't know if you guys have seen that. And they leave the yarn out because the birds will come and get the yarn that they leave out for them to build nests. People do that kind of stuff for birds. It's, it's real crazy. But nests can be found almost anywhere. That's another cool materials. They're diverse. They're all different. Nests have their own little touch to it. Each, each set of birds does it differently. And not only that, but they could be anywhere. And that's what I love about nests. You never know when you could run into one. You could find the nest on the ground. You could find nests 
on the trees, in burrows, on the side of cliffs, and even on man-made structures, you could find the nest. They're everywhere. You could find them. And I want you to think about our church. Our church name is called Nest Church, a place where we gather, a place where we grow, but not only to keep it here, but to move out and take it out of here. And I like that all the churches are different. Every church is not the same. Every church has a different culture, a different way of doing things. It doesn't mean that one is right and the other one is wrong. But that's the way they built their nest, and that's how God is reaching people. And I love that that God could work in diversity of the church. I think it's amazing, and it speaks of the church. When you study nests, it speaks of the church, that there is diversity within the church and between churches. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, listen to what Paul says. He writes this down, for as the body is one, how many, how how much bodies are there? Well, there's one body. All is one body in Christ. And has many members, but look what it says next. All the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. So there's many members, but they still make up this one body. It's a lot of different individuals that make up this one structure, that make up this one organism. And there's differences between us even. If you do life with one another, you'll notice how different you are from each other. God doesn't call everyone to be the same even within these four walls. It would be a weird place, a boring place. We're all different. We all get excited about different things and we all like different things. Some things are obviously similar and some of us can relate to one another a little bit more. But there's differences between us as individuals and there's differences between our church and even other churches. And that's okay. I remember I've, I, 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 um, for, for many years, for many, many years as a pastor, I tried to see what worked in other churches and I would try to mimic them. Oh, that's working for them. So we have to do what they're doing and we would change structures all the time. If you've been here for a while, you're like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. But it's all with a good heart because we wanted to do what works. We wanted to do what was right. And if it worked for them, then it has to work for us. And then God speaks to you and says, You're not supposed to be like everyone else, and everyone is not supposed to be the same. You be who I've called you to be. You've ever tried to be like someone else? How did it work for you? It frustrated you. You can't be someone else. You have to be yourself. Amen? And then you have to let God do a transformation in you. So so it's beautiful to to, to know that, and I'm noticing that, obviously, as I'm getting older, I'm recognizing that it's, it's less frustrating to... To do that, it's less, it's less um, I call it dumb work, stupid work, rather than focusing on what's godly work look like, rather than stupid work. I want to do godly work, right? And this is important, but it's so beautiful to see how good God is. And, and, and if you think about it, this is the beauty of Christ, the beauty of Christ, that we're not all the same, and every church is not the same, and it would be strange, it would, it would be dull and boring, it would be so predictable, and that is everything that the Lord is not. The Lord is not dull and boring, and he is definitely not predictable. When, if you did not know the story of Moses, you would have never predicted, never 
predicted that he was going to raise up his hand with a stick and the sea was going to split and they were going to walk on dry land. And then that water was going to drown all his enemies. And on the other side of that water, they were going to give glory to God. And then, then you would have never imagined that at night a pillar of fire would show up. And when they would wake up, manna would fall off from heaven and they would have bread from heaven that God would make them breakfast every day. And then that pillar of smoke as well would show up as well at night. Like it's just, he's not predictable. He wows you. How many of you just this week have been wowed by God? Wow, a lot of you. I don't even know why I'm preaching today. You guys should be coming up here and sharing how the Lord has wowed you. Because someone else needs that story. If you have a testimony, you need to come up here and share it. Because our family needs to hear it. So I expect many of you that just raised your hand to tell me, hey, give me your number. I'm going to text you my story, how he wowed me this week. And then next Sunday, you're going to share your testimony. All right, scared half of you now. They go, all right, I'm not going to text him. <laughs> the beauty of Christ, he's not predictable. He's so good. Our God is good, amen? amen? And the Lord allows each church with its uniqueness to minister in their gifts. To minister in their gifts. Laying their vision all while still pointing to the same source, which is Christ Jesus. And I think that's amazing. That's it. That's God's heart. So we've called our home here Nest. When you walk out, there's a sign that says our nest. When you're up here, you see Nest everywhere. And there's a reason why we've called our home here Nest. We want it to be a safe place. I hope that when you come here and you drop off your children, you recognize that this is a safe place. And if something is, not, if something is unsafe, you immediately let us know. And we will attack it to do our best to make it safe immediately. Amen? Amen. This is a safe place for us. Our hubs should be a safe place. When we gather and do life together, it should be a safe place. We should guard one another. We should protect one another. Have you ever spoken bad about your own brother and sister here in the church? you making it an unsafe place by doing that. What do we do? We, we lift each other up. We edify one another. We immediately shut the mouth of that slander. Hey, you're not making our home a safe place. We make it a safe place. I know, like, like watch this. There are a million things that you could say about me. I know them already. You've ever seen, uh, I shouldn't promote it. Never mind, scratch that. I was about to promote um, Eminem and 8 Mile. Don't watch the movie, but there is a clip. You ever seen when he went to go, when he's gonna go battle? And he goes to battle this dude that's an amazing, it's a cypher, it's a freestyle, and you're going to make how much money? I, I don't know what he was going to do. This is how he blew up or whatever. So he says, man, this guy, he's going he's gonna to tear me up. He's going to know everything about me. So he gets up on the stage, and he says, I know I'm white trash. I know my mom's a this. I know my did this. I know I'm nothing but a this. And he just, and when the other guy was about to rap, he couldn't say nothing about Eminem because Eminem just basically told him, I know everything I am already. What are you going to say? And Eminem won the battle. We all know who we are already. So if we're going to do anything... Let's do good with one another. And let's look at each other. And let's lift up one another. And let's build one another. Because we all know that there's struggles in all of us. That there's things in all of us. All right, good. So that's where the church is supposed to be. A safe place. A place where we minister our gifts. A place, uh, a healthy place to develop. To find our giftings. And, and live in his call. And live in that call for our lives. The nest is an important part of development. 
Development is so important. As you do life with each other and as you sit under the word of God and as we worship together, how is that spiritual development taking place in your life? The church is important. We are important. You are important. You want to know how important you are? Scripture calls you the body of Christ. I don't know if you've caught that understanding in Scripture that you are the body of Christ. Have you ever thought about that? If there's anything that I should not be is part of the body of Christ. Not even a, f- a fingernail on his toe that might come off, come off if it gets hit. Not even that, not, not even that, not even that fingernail. Not even that fingernail should I be part of the body of Christ. Anyone else with me? Yeah. And scripture says I'm part of the body of Christ. <laughs> that was Luak, by the way, guys. He's, he had a rough week, but it's all good. It's all good. Amen. A safe place, developing a place where Christ is revealed. The church should reveal Christ, even as Christ reveals God in the human flesh. Remember when they come up to Jesus and they say, look, we want to see the Father. We want to see the Father. What does Jesus say? If you've seen me, you've seen him. I am the revelation of the Father. And here we are, right? I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. And we're walking with people. And can you imagine if you can say this? If you've seen us, You've seen Jesus. The church should reveal Jesus to the world. It's biblical. I'll show it to you. I'm not saying anything heretical here. Watch this. The church should reveal Christ to the world, to the hurting world. You know, you know, that, you know that there's a scripture. It's not in my notes today, but you know that there's a scripture that says, they will know me, Jesus. They will know me, Jesus says, by the way you love one another. If you don't love one another, people will not see Jesus in the church. But if you learn to love each other, Jesus says, you will show who I am to the world. It's such a beautiful concept, this nest, this church. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes to young Tim, and he says, I am writing these things to you, this letter to you, all these important things. It's just the first book. I have another letter that I want to write to you, but I'm writing all these things to you, even though I hope to be with you soon. Look what he says. So that if I am delayed, you know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. Do you know that when Paul says this, leave that verse up there, but do you know when Paul says this, he's not saying Sunday mornings in the household of God. That is religiosity. Religiosity is you behave in here one different than you behave outside of here. You are nothing but a religious nut. Welcome to Religion 101. All you did was show the world what all of us know. It's hard not to be a hypocrite. (laughs) But but don't intentionally do it like, like grow in holiness. Grow in righteousness. Grow in maturity. I can't be different outside of these four walls. And Like if I'm preaching a different message on Tuesday at 2 p.m. than I am here at Sunday at 11.30 a.m., like what's wrong with me? I am sick and I am polluted. And I should be removed from this place, shouldn't I? <laughs> or at least have some grace and get me help. And that's who we are. That's who we're called to be. Just be honest and vulnerable and, and open 
But when, when, when Paul is writing this to Tim, he's, he's basically saying, hey, I'm writing this. This is how the people of God should behave together, not just on Sundays at 10 a.m. when they have church. That's not the household of God. The household of God is this right here. It's Puerto Ricans, Cubans, and Nicaraguans, and Anglo-Saxons, and everyone together. It's small and, and tall. It's, it's everyone together, everyone together being built up as the household of God. It's a beautiful thing. This is the church. Look what he says next. We're in verse 15. He says, this is the church of who? Of who? It's not the church of Rigo, and it's not the church of pastor so-and-so, and it's not even the church of that other person. It's one person's church, and it is the church of what? Church of the living God. It's the church of the living God, which is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. All of you, all of you are God's. All of you belong to God. All of you. Um, it's why I've chosen as a pastor not to live my life feeling like I own any of you. That is why when you present things to me, I ask you questions. Like, I don't know. What have you done about it? Like, have we sought God? Have you read the word? And I try to lead you in the ways, but I'll never control you in your way. Why? Because you don't belong to me, and I don't belong to you. We belong to God. And that's what the nest is. That's what the house of God is. We belong to God. And listen, that's the best place to be. If I want to belong anywhere, I want to belong to God. Where do you want to belong to? Uh oh. I hope your answer is, bro, I want to belong to God. I want to belong to God. And if this church could help me and teach that we belong to God, then this is a good place. This is a nest where I could develop in. God continues, listen to this, God continues to be incarnate. Not only in Jesus Christ, you're, like, oh, oh, you're, you're on rough waters here, but he, He's also incarnate in the church. Jesus is God incarnate, yes. But how about if I tell you, here we are, we are the body of Christ. The church is a form of Jesus incarnate. Please understand this. The incarnation of Christ is unique. Incarnation is in carne. It's Jesus when he came in the flesh, in carne, in the flesh, in his own skin. When Jesus came and we know that that happened, we study it in the gospels, one time and only one time in history did God take human flesh as the baby of Mary. And he grew up as a human being to die on the cross for our sins. We know that. We believe that. We believe in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. That event can never occur again. Like God's not going to be like, I think I messed up. Let's do this whole process again and send Jesus to be incarnate in the earth again. No, it's a one-time event never to occur again. The incarnation continues on for eternity. Jesus, as scripture teaches, was raised bodily and the dead, and, uh, bodily from the dead. He ascended into heaven bodily and he will return as revelation teaches us, as scripture teaches us. He will return bodily to earth and he will reign as king. We believe that here. He will reign bodily as he has also ascended in bodily form to sit at the right hand of the Father. 
But yet, in another sense, Jesus is not only incarnate in heaven now, he is also incarnate in his body, in the church, because we are the visible, listen to these words and write this down, the visible expression to the world of the Savior who is presently in heaven. In the church, through the church, people should see Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's the point that I'm trying to make. And when I refer to the church, obviously I'm speaking about the people of God. Not the church of God and the church of Christ and the assemblies of God and the Baptist church and the Reformed church and the Pentecostal church. I'm talking about the church of God. All of us together. Amen? We just don't practice good faith in these walls, but we live out our faith. Our nest is important. It is vital, the church, us together, vital for our growth, vital for our communion, for fellowship. But what do we do from this place? It must leave here, and it must impact your workplaces. It must impact your families. It must impact your neighborhood. The world should know, and the world should see Jesus in you and through you. No? Not just good faith within on a Sunday morning, but we live our, our faith throughout our time in this world. We become, write this down, the visible expression of Jesus Christ to this world. That's it. One of your starting points in your prayer life should be this. Lord, let me be the visible expression of you to this world. You should pray that. Let them not see me. Let them see you. Let them see you. Not my words, not my gift, not my talent, not how fast, not how slow, not how good, not how I Lord, let them see you in all of it. That's the heart of God. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, Paul, obviously, as he's planting churches, has to teach a lot about this and lay down foundational doctrine on all this stuff. So obviously, we go a lot to Paul's writings. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 27, he says, all of you. Did you notice he was speaking to the whole church here? So Paul's not just caught up on the Jewish people. Paul's not just caught up on one specific sect of people. He says, all of you, every single one of you together, together are Christ's body. And each of you is part of it. All of you together is that. In Colossians 1.18, he's speaking to the church of Corinth, then the church of Colossiae, and notice he's breaking down the same foundation. He's building it up. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. And he's breaking down all of this stuff. Like you're all part of him. And Paul's making a point. He's building the church. He's doing something. And that's what we belong to. I want to read a scripture. If you can, turn to Matthew 25. I want to just read all these verses and let, let the scripture minister to us the way it does so beautifully. Uh, go to Matthew 25, and if you could go to verse 31, um, I would appreciate that. Matthew 25, verse 31. I know we're spoiled. We have it up in the screen, but maybe you have your Bible, and you could maybe highlight and circle some things, or maybe you have a notepad, or you could write some notes down. But 
as we tend to believe here and say often, as you read through this, you'll see how it ministers to your heart. And you'll see what the Lord wants to speak to you as we just read through this. Check this out. This is, this is an, it's a powerful passage. It's, it's, depending on what translation you're reading from, it's the final judgment. Um, it's the place where we all stand before God. And it says this. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. We've read this here before, but how many of you have read this uh, personally in your own time in the word of God? You've probably read this before. Imagine this scene. Just like picture it. Uh, do you guys do that? Like, how, What's your style when you read the Bible? Do you like to picture stuff in your mind? I guess I'm a visible, um, I guess I'm a visible learner. So like, I like to like, see things. So like, sometimes I'm reading, and I'll put it down, and I just see it. So like, what do you see right now? Like Christ sitting on his throne, right? And he's there, glorious. There's angels. It's powerful. There's, there's, there's light. There's just, it's just, oh, it's good. But then there's all kinds of people groups, and they're all, they all start showing up to Jesus on this great day. And Jesus just, and I don't know, I, I, I'm guessing he still has a beard, right? What do you guys think? You think he still has a beard? I think so. And he's just playing with his beard. And he looks at everyone. And he, maybe he takes out his finger, maybe his hand. I don't know how he does it. But look what scripture says he does. So cool. All these people are gathered. And he says, he begins to separate people. And how does he separate them? Kind of like you do when you're a farmer. You got to put the groups together because you can't have them together. It's not healthy for the goats to be with the sheep. So this is what we're going to do. He starts to separate them, sheep on this side, goats um, come on this side. Now imagine being there. You're like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm team sheep. Me and my son, sometimes we fight because we play NBA, 2K, whatever. And he wants to be one team because there's like the street. You could play basketball, but like street basketball. So like one team is called like the ballers. <clears throat> and the other one is like the ringers. And we fight. No, no, no. I want to be the ballers. And we fight about who's going to be the ballers and who's going to be the ringers. <clears throat> who's going to be the sheep and who's going to be the goat. Let's keep reading. Ready? <clears throat> He will place the sheep at his right, the goats at his left, and then the king will say to, the, to those on his right. So who's on the right? See if you're paying attention. All right, good. The sheep. Where are you guys standing? Uh-oh. You guys should all be on the right. <laughs> I'm letting you know right now that if you went to the left, it's not going to go good for you. Well, you'll see. Let's keep, on re- let's keep on watching the movie. Let me not spoil it. But spoiler alert, if you're like, oh, man, I wanted to be team go, you didn't pick the right team. Should have stuck with the ballers. All right, let's keep going. The king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world, for I was hungry and you fed me. You've, now you know the story, right? I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothes. I was sick, you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. 
And the righteous ones will reply, who are the righteous ones? So, so far we see people introduced, right? We see, them, we see a crowd of, introduced as people. And in that crowd of people, we see what? Some of those people are known as sheep or goats. And then within those sheep or goats, there's also a certain group that are called the righteous. It's breaking it, chiseling, 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 and it's breaking it down. And he's, remember, he's speaking to the sheep. So the sheep now, we get to see are the righteous ones. And it says, then the righteous ones reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you thirsty, give you something to drink, stranger, and show you hospitality or naked and give you some clothes? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And here's what the king says. I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. We're talking about harvest. We're talking about laborers. Did you notice everything that was mentioned there? Things that the sheep needed to do. What? Clothe naked people. What? Feed sick people. What? Visit the ones that are in prison. It was they were to take action. They were not to sit home and hoard all the spiritual blessings that were given to them. That's what the righteous do. You know what the righteous do? They long to share their righteousness towards others which our righteousness is in Christ Jesus. So I got to feed someone. I got to clothe someone. I got to visit someone. This week, because I'm talking to a bunch of sheep in here, not goat. This week, who are you going to visit? Who are you going to clothe? Who are you going to give to drink? Who are you going to give food? Come on, you have work to do for the harvest is prepared. Amen? Amen? And then the king will say, and the king will turn to those on the left. So, so remember, who are, who's on the left now? The, the goats. Now, can you imagine the goats? Like, <laughs> because the sheep are just like, you're blessed. You fed me and you gave me the drink. But when did we do that? When you did it for the stranger, you did it for me. And the sheep are like, oh, man, we did good, right? And then the goats, they don't have no idea yet what's happening. They're like, what about us? Tell us now us. Tell us. You know, the goats are, right? A lot of goats could be the ones that say, Many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, I did all these great things. I casted out demons. I did all these things. And he says, but I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. So the goats are like, what about me? Come on. I prayed for the sick. I fed the hungry. I casted out demons. I did so many good things. And the Lord's like, yeah, but you did stuff without even knowing who I am. Watch this. Ready? The king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you. Wow. (laughs) Straight to it. You cursed ones into the eternal fire that is prepared for the devil and his demons. I would say this is intense. I would say, guys, I picked the team GOAT, not a good ending. You're hanging out with demons and devils and in fire all the time. Look what he says next. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your house. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. When you read that scripture, what was the worst part for you? Many times, this is how I read. I'm going to point at myself. Ready? This is how I read scripture. Ready? Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. I say, that's the worst thing that I just read. 
Because that's how we think. That's how I think. Why would you send to hell? Why would you call them cursed? Why would you say away from me? And we say that's the worst thing that I've read. Is it really the worst thing that we've read? We're reading the Bible wrong. The worst thing that we read right now was this part. Pay attention, pay attention. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, you didn't give me drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me to your home. I was naked, you didn't clothe me. And I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. That part should have had your heart going, oh, that's the worst part. That's the worst part. And then they will say, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry, thirsty, stranger, naked, sick, or in prison and did not help you? And he says, the truth is this, that when you refuse to help the least of these brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Praise God. The reading of the Lord. This is the word of God. I dare one of you to come up here and try to sugarcoat that. Like, like how, how, do you, how do you translate that? How do you interpret that? How do you preach that? How do you teach that? I hate that I have to come up here and try to te- preach that right there to you guys. <laughs> we leave the nest for one reason. To clothe the naked. To feed the hungry. To visit the prison and in sick. And that is why we believe in leaving the nest to go out, to reach out, and to multiply. Why? Because there's a hurting people that need to know Jesus, and the only way is through the sheep, through the righteous, the ones that will be on the right hand. They're the ones that need to represent Christ in this world and show Christ in this world and serve Christ to this world. I feel like I have to go deeper in this. Are you guys getting this? All right. That's important, this text. It's important. Don't overlook it and say, oh, it was just Jesus was on one that day. Jesus wasn't on one that day. Jesus, like I get on one some days. But not Jesus. Jesus is good even as he's sharing this is a day that's going to happen. We don't live in faith. Everyone say this. This is crazy. I'm going to trick you for a second. We don't just live in faith. Yeah, I was weak. We don't just live in faith. Good. But we live out our faith. See? You live out that which you believe in. Amen? How many of you have been... I'm sure we all fit. We all fit. Or at least once fit into at least one of these categories. Seriously, have any of you ever been hungry, thirsty, a stranger, Naked, sick, or incarcerated. Whether it's physically 
or obviously I'm talking spiritually here. Spiritually, have you ever been one of these? Our works are not decisive in our salvation. Man, I hope you're getting this. They are evidence of God's saving work in us. We show works because of the great work that was done in us. Amen. We go out, we reach out, and we multiply. We're called to take this and leave the nest and reach other people so that they could come and be comforted, so that they too could get others and they too could be comforted, and that it could go on and on until the day of the great Lord, until the day of God's great judgment. If not, we're robbing someone of their blessing. The other day, I was somewhere and I told Nancy I felt really convicted because I wanted to do something. And I'm just being transparent with you guys. I think it was on Monday. Oh, no, it was on Wednesday. While you women were having a great service, I was getting convicted about something. So I, I went to a gathering on Wednesday, and I felt like the Lord was saying, pray. Get everyone together and pray. And I was like, ah, no, like, ugh. And I felt it. From the moment I walked in and no one was there yet, it was like, a, like three people, I already knew I needed, to, I, I, I needed to pray that day. The day went on, the night went on, and I knew it was time. It got to the time, and I didn't step up to the plate, and I didn't do it. And I went home, and I was so convicted. I was like, I'm such an idiot. I'm so, ugh, I didn't do it. That was my moment. I, I, I needed to really spend time ministering to these people. That day. I know God, the Holy Spirit was leading me to this. I, I failed. I didn't, and I told Nancy, I said, I feel so convicted. You know, the Lord told me to do this, and I came back, and I, and I didn't do it. Have you, has that ever happened to you? It's this horrible feeling. I wrote this down in my notes. Tell me how you feel about this. If I'm not leaving the nest, if I'm not going out, reaching out, and multiplying, you know what happens? I'm robbing people from their blessing. Maybe if I would have taken a step of faith and obedience on Wednesday, I would have seen fruit of it. And I would have seen God move in a mighty way. But all he needed was, will you be obedient? And will you be faithful in just this little thing that I ask of you today? I'm not even asking you to crucify yourself on a cross physically. All I'm asking is, can you just pray over this situation in front of all these people? How many people that I, how many blessings in people's lives that I robbed that day? You've been there? I want you to think about it like that. We're robbing someone's blessing. We're robbing them of their hope, of their salvation. One thing to remember, in which you will see Christ show himself, it's not just to bring someone to church. But Wednesday, the story that I'm telling you, it was a moment where I was able to take the church to someone else. And I didn't take Jesus to someone else. I feel, listen, I get it. Maybe after service, you're going to want to come and console me. Pastor, don't be so hard on yourself. I do, trust me, I know. I do that with you guys. Ah, don't be so hard on yourselves. I get it. But on that moment, there's no, without a shadow of a doubt, I know that I failed in my assignment. 
You've all been given an assignment. Now leave from here today and go out on your assignment and reach out in your assignment and watch how the Lord multiplies because you're faithful and obedient in your assignment. Amen? Some people may never enter into our nest, but they will allow you to enter into their lives. This is why what you do at work is so important. This is why how you behave at your job is so important. This is why it's so important how you behave in front of your family. This is why it's so important how you behave with your friends. Because then you invite them to, hey, come to church on Sunday with me. And you're like, what are you talking about? (laughs) You just cursed me out yesterday in the middle of the game. I'm not going to go to your church, you nut job. What are you talking about? I had to drive from, for you from the restaurant. I drove because you couldn't drive, remember? I'm not going to go visit your church. That's what the world does. They'll think that our one failure represents the heart of God. So we need to do our best to live in his presence so that we could be blameless before the world. And then they look at you, they say, I see Jesus in you. I hear Jesus in you. What do you guys think? Am I off today? Is that, is that, is that like... I, I think that's what God is saying when it comes to this stuff. They'll enter, they'll let you enter to the lives. They don't, they don't need to come to church And that's the truth, to find Jesus. They don't need to come to church to find Christ. I get it. That's our way, like our easy way of doing it and all that. And and you'll grow from that if you're there right now. Don't worry about it. Don't be so hard on yourself. What they need is they need you to go to them so that they could find Christ. And then they'll desire from there to be part of a community of the same faith. But it's going to start with you. It's going to start with you. When Christ rose from the dead, he gave one last charge to his disciples. Do you guys know what it was? They knew, they knew, they knew that Jesus loved them. They knew that. He didn't have to reaffirm that. He did not have to reaffirm that he loved them. They knew that. I am freezing, guys. Give me a second. Not for once. They knew that he was the Christ. He didn't have to do anything else for them, but he gave them this, this one thing, and he gave them what is known as this great commission, which is basically the great send-off. And I know you know it, but well, maybe there's someone here that does not know it. I'm going to read it anyways. And this is one of his last charges to his disciples. He says to them, all authority has been given to me and all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of age. Amen. This is what the Lord says to his disciples. To go Go make disciples. Go baptize. Go teach. These are all words of action. Nothing in here is Jesus saying like, oh, amazing. Thank you for believing in me. Now sit back, relax, and don't do anything else for the rest of your life. No, it's go. Go make disciples. Go baptize. Go teach. 
Act, 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 act. Work the fields, work the fields. Plow the ground, plant the seed. Water the ground, plant the ground. Water the ground, plow, 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 plow. You know how many? Don't we get tired on Sundays? Don't we get tired on Sundays? Good, good. You know why you get tired? Because you're doing a good job. You're serving, you're plowing the ground. You're planting seed, you're watering, you're planting seed, you're watering, you're planting seed, you're watering, you're planting seed. But God sees all the effort on Sunday and on Monday and on Tuesday. I've been praying for my child for 15 years. When is God going to bring the growth? You just be faithful in plowing the ground, planting the seed, watering the ground. Plow the ground, plant the seed, water the ground. Plow the ground, plant the seed, water the ground. Plow the ground, plant the seed, water the ground. Plow the ground, plant the seed, water the ground. And in due time, when it's season, when it's ready, he will bring growth. He will bring it. Oh, but I don't see it. Don't worry. Your responsibility is not to see it. Your responsibility is to do it. Do it, do it. But how long? For the rest of your life you do it. Do you think that Jesus... (laughs) We forget about Jesus because we make it about us. Again, I'm speaking to myself. Jesus on the cross. There is not a harvest of people at the feet of Jesus. You know who's at the feet of Jesus? His mother... And the disciple whom he loved. I think there was one more, right? Was there one more? I don't know. There was two or three. We could be safe and say that. And then there were a bunch of um, soldiers casting lots for his clothes. (laughs) Jesus is on the cross. And when he opens his eyes, where's the harvest? You mean to tell me that I die on the cross? And Peter's not here? Where's James? Where is the leper? Where's the blind man? Where's Lazarus who I raised from the dead? Where are my friends? Where's my family? I did so many miracles that no other books in the world can contain all the miracles I did. And yet at my feet on the moment, the greatest moment of my life, my crucifixion, no one is here. But guess what Jesus did? He did it anyways. He went through God's plan anyways. Because on the other side of the cross, there was a devil there. And the devil was saying, come on, come on, Jesus. If you are who you say you are, if you are the son of God, command heaven's angels to come down and to take you off that cross. And what does Jesus do? He goes through it anyways. He goes through it. Because from this, in due season, there will be a harvest at my feet. There will be a harvest at my feet. We really have to check our hearts, man. What in the world? (laughs) Praise God. Love it. Amen. I have ADD, guys, forgive me. All right, I'm going to wrap this up. So birds are in their nest. 
After leaving the nest, it's called fledging. Did you guys know that? I had no idea. Fledging, young birds remain close to their parents for a short period. We see that with our kids. But during this time, young birds, when they're, when they're close to their parents, they must survive. Oh, sorry, when it's time now to come out from this stage that they're in, they must learn now to survive on their own. And as they survive on their own, it makes them very vulnerable. Vulnerable to predators and even to starvation. Sometimes it's the same with our faith, especially at first. Especially that first year. We're so on fire for God. We want to do everything for God. But I'm telling you right now, just stay faithful. Just get around other believers. Just be obedient and let God bring growth to your life. Just fall in love with him. That's always been my advice to people. When they first come to the Lord, just keep falling in love. Keep falling in love. Keep falling in love. In 1 Corinthians 13, 11, Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke and I thought and I reasoned. I understood as a child. But when I grew up, look what he says next. When I grew up, when I grew up, guys, Paul is a grown man. How much more growing up does he need to do? Because he is speaking on a physical, he's giving you a physical picture of a spiritual reality in his life. And he says, when I grew up, I put away childish things. I would never ask you this question. Because I would never disrespect yourself or myself like this. But are we, I would never ask you these things. Things like, do you continue to catch up, catch yourself up with childish things? Obviously, no one in here does. But the ones that are outside of here that continue to catch themselves with childish things, the Lord is highlighting, it's because you're not growing up. It's in this text. A man who has grown in the Lord, a woman who has grown in the Lord, you know what they've done? They've put away childish things. The dumb talk, the, the dumb little attitude, the, 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 the dumb little... Ugh, those, no, those are, those are things that my kids do at seven years old. We can't be 40 acting like seven-year-olds. My God, am I, are we, are, you know, it's childish things. And the Lord's like, you got to put them away. And you got to grow up spiritually. Amen? Amen? Grow up. Be responsible for yourself. Oh, but, but the woman you gave me, but the serpent you put. He's like, children, none of you are able to be responsible for yourself. To put away childish things. To put away immaturity. And to put away your sinful things in your life. Our growing up in the faith must teach us to survive on your own. I and them and the one in front of you and the one behind you and the one that you always call, they cannot walk your faith. We could help you. We could pray for you. Call us. If we're not busy, we'll pick up. And if we have to meet up, we'll meet up. But there has to come a point when every single one of us in the household of God is responsible for our walk and our faith. But I don't know what to do. It's all in here. You read the word of God. You get into his presence. And it's all in here. And we grow and we mature. I can't. Put the weight on any other person. My pastors, I can't put it on them. The reason or the purpose in how I survive 
in which I survive. You alone may face vulnerabilities. You will face predators, but you will do this to learn how to feed yourself, especially in times when you're starving. You want to know when the predators are going to come? Oh, it's going to be when you're hungry. You want to know? Oh, in times of starvation, his difficulty is going to come. Why? Because the Lord's like, now what? Let me grow you in this. Amen? The first year is the toughest in a bird's life. I'm going back to the nest now. In nearly every bird species that there is, more than half of the first year of the bird, more than half of the first year, birds perish. So out of 10 birds, five of those birds will perish the first year. Insane. Is that not true with people of faith? 13 people got baptized. How long ago? Are all 13 here today? Will they be here next Sunday? It happens. It's part of life. But you become the one that says, no, I'm going to grow. I'm going to know the Lord. The birds that do make it to adulthood, listen to this. The odds of surviving another year improves greatly. Because now they're mature. They know the sounds. They see. And they know how to survive now. I'm going to share one more verse and I'm out of here. I love Jeremiah's words to Israel. In Jeremiah chapter 31, he speaks about the Lord turning mourning into joy. Who doesn't love that? And in a time when Israel was exiled, Jeremiah, he relates their current experience to the Exodus. As the Jewish people would be very familiar with that story. I'm not gonna, I don't have time to read all of Jeremiah 31. You should read all of Jeremiah 31 with that context of what I just told, with the understanding of what I just told you. But listen to this verse. And Jeremiah speaks the word of the Lord. He says this, thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword <laughs> found grace in the wilderness when Israel sought for rest. That's a powerful scripture right there. I read that verse and I say, Lord, that's who I want to be, Lord. And thank God that swords have been swung at me. <laughs> How many of you have they tried to decapitate you already? They haven't? They will. We've had swords coming right at us. You know, Judas swung a sword at Jesus by giving him a kiss. And we know that kiss today as the betrayer's kiss. And that was a sword to his heart saying he's the one. And Peter thought, oh, I'm going to take the soldier's sword and swing at his neck to fight for my Lord. And the Lord says, no, Peter. That's not what we do, man. He was getting Peter ready for Peter's future. Peter wasn't going to fight physical sword with physical sword. Just like we don't fight their words with our words. You stay quiet and you fight a different fight. This is why you don't necessarily get even. This is why you don't always try to prove yourself. 
Sometimes all you got to do is take the sword and let it hit you in the gut. Let it cut you a little bit. Because if you're in Christ, the swinging of the enemy's sword, the swinging of your own brother's sword, if you survive it, oh man, you'll find grace even in that. You'll find grace. You'll see God's goodness even in those trials. Man, we leaving the nest, going out, reaching out, multiplying, it's a beautiful thing. But I can't paint a picture of it. It's so, it's so like, woo, get ready to fly with superpower. No, sometimes it's a cross and no one's at your feet. But you do it anyways. You go out anyways. Sometimes you do it and, and then it's, more, it's like, whoa, it was your season. And a hundred are at the feet. And what do we do, Mio, with that person? We chat, we congratulate them. I'm so proud of you, brother. The Lord has done a good thing through you. We champion them. We don't say, Mio, I can't believe it happened to him. And it hasn't happened to us yet. That's unsafe. But I say, Mio, let's go to his house. And let's cut him a cake. And let's say, job well done. Go out, church. Reach out, church. Multiply, church. In due time, it's going to happen. But you have to leave the nest. You can't just take it and leave it all in here. It may seem difficult. It may feel far-fetched. Or maybe you're here like, I'm not prepared for this. And you may feel all kinds of fear and terror, doubt, confusion, lies. You may feel discouraged. My goodness, has it not happened to all of us? But leaving the nest doesn't promise that there's not going to be storms and wilderness and there's not going to be swords. There absolutely will be swords. But it doesn't mean that there will be no grace. No, there's going to be grace. Even in the wilderness, even in the desert, there is a grace that comes from heaven. Leaving the nest, going out, reaching out, winning, loving people in Jesus. It does not promise the absence of the sword. But it does show us that there's an ultimate survival and victory from the sword. And we show even more the power of Christ. Many have been persecuted because they've left their nest. Because they took the call to go. It has even cost them their lives. Read books. Go online. Study some of the martyrs. It's costed their lives. But the sword, even though, it's through de- even though it comes in the form of death, it doesn't have victory over the believer. What does it say in scripture? Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? Not even in death. So I leave you with this, to grow, to grow, grow up, and go out. Go out, grow ups. Go out, grown ups. Grow in the Lord so you don't perish. Put aside things that stump your growth and get through another day, get through another year. The odds of surviving as you grow up improve greatly. Continue to grow up in order to go out. And our call is to do exactly this, to leave the nest, to go out, to reach out, and to watch the Lord multiply. That's the calling of the church of God. 
I hope you can say amen. Can you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Hey, none of us can fight your, your battle for you in that sense. None of us could um, could walk the walk with you, for you, sorry, walk your walk for you. We could walk the walk with you, but we can't walk your walk for you. I love that there's a poem called Footprints. Have you ever seen that poem, Footprints? There's two walking in the sand, and I forgot the poem. I think one gets tired, and the Lord says, let me carry you. And then two footprints becomes one. And it's because the Lord was carrying the one that was tired. You know who's responsible for carrying your burden? It's the, it's the Lord. The Lord is responsible. We walk alongside each other. We'll help each other out. But it's the Lord who's going to carry your burden. It's the Lord who's going to carry you through it. And we're all in this together. Anyone in here have any weaknesses? Hey, man. Me too. <laughs> if you guys are in the front, everyone in the back, raise your hands. But you know, if Jesus was here and he were to ask that question, he'd say, not me. When you're weak, watch Watch how I'm strong. Come on, church, we leave the nest. Let's impact the world. I want you just to meditate in your heart. Take some, uh, exam do an examination real quick. And um, we're walking down the sand. <laughs> I can't carry you. It's not my responsibility to carry you. I can't do that. No one else here can either. Eventually, we're going to drop you. And it's going to be worse for all of us. But I could take you, and we could take each other to the one that could carry us all, who will never drop us. Today, I know that this message is for everyone. It's a, it's a charge for everyone to be responsible to plow, to plant, and water Palau, plant, and water, and wait for the increase of God. But, but he does that. You do your part. This is a charge for all of us. But today, if you feel, I just need a brother, I need a sister just to come alongside me. Because, man, I'm feeling heavy. And I want to come alongside you. And I want to say, Lord, help my sister. Help my brother. Carry them. The sword is being swung at them. Lord, give them grace right now. Lord, they feel like they're involved in the childish things. Grow them up right now. Mature them. Teach them how to walk their walk. Teach them, Lord, how to pick up their cross. Teach them how to be faithful and obedient. Lord, I pray for my brother. I pray for my sister. If any of you feel that heaviness, I'm going to invite you to come up here. And some of us are just going to get alongside you and love on you and pray with you. We can't do it for you. We can't create the miracle for you, but we could come alongside you to the one that is more than able. Lord, I pray if there's any goats in here, that you would bring them from goat, ship to sheep, 
ish. Yes. Bring them, Lord, to the sheepfold. And say, I'm, I'm getting out of the left. I'm, I'm going to the right. I want to be part of the sheepfold. If there's anyone in here, let this be their day. Let them come and say, I want to be a sheep today. So we're going to just have this time of music playing. If you just need some time of ministry down here, we invite you to come up. We'll take a few minutes. But let's just examine our hearts with the word that we just heard. Let's do that for a moment. You reign forever. 
out to him this morning. Come on. Yes, I love you. Oh, I love you. Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Come on. Oh, I love you. Yes, I love you. Oh, I love you. Yes, I love you. Because you're so worthy. You're so
there was a day where I was at a service and um, the spirit of the Lord fell that day and I went up to the what we would call the altar call up here and I had some of the leadership some of the leadership came and prayed for me and I'll never forget that day I'm 42 years old today and I still remember that day like if it was yesterday I remember the details of that day I almost remember the smell I almost remember stay here with me. I still remember the the colors what I was wearing how I looked it was an important day in my life and the pastor that was preaching called the calling up and I'll never forget I went up to the front I was sitting in the back seat I didn't want to be there I was there for all the wrong reasons actually and when I went up to the front the Holy Spirit took my heart and the service ended and I was being broken I've been drunk before I've been under the influence of alcohol obviously and I've been drunk and I was drunk I know what being drunk feels like but in that moment it was a different kind of drunkenness I'll never forget I was so drunk that I I couldn't even speak I couldn't even control myself they had a an event right after the service where a bunch of the youth were gonna go have an activity but I had to stay because I was so drunk that they a, a buddy of mine stayed with me and had to get two chairs and sat me down and I sat with him and I sat with him for two hours after the service ended because I couldn't even get up I couldn't even walk I couldn't even stand because of how drunk I was but it wasn't a drunk that I was out of my reasoning it wasn't a drunkenness out of like the ones that I've experienced before with alcoholism it was truly something that was taken by the spirit and the only way I could describe it was if there's any kind of definition, a way to define it, it would be for me, it's, it was an encounter that I had with God and where I was drunk in the spirit, where I didn't want to be anywhere else but just be in the presence of the Lord. And he was cleansing me and I believe that day he was delivering me from all kinds of bondage in my life. Things that were holding me back, things, chains that I had around me, the enemy had his hands on my neck and he was squeezing my neck to kill me. But that day, the Lord broke the enemy's hands off my neck and chains came off my feet, chains came off my wrist. I was able to weep before the presence of God. I'll never forget I had mucus dripping out of my nose I was a mess, but I was a good mess. I came back from that place, and I'll never forget, I went back to my friends, and, and the friends in my life all looked at me and said, you're crazy, dude, you joined the cult. No one changes like that from one day to another. You're insane. You became a fanatic. You're nuts. And I couldn't explain it to them any other way, but I met Jesus, and he changed my life, and he delivered me. I was once in bondage, I was once in darkness, but he has set me free, and there is no demon, no devil, there is no darkness that could overpower the Christ and his word and his light and his truth. I, I was set free, I was 
I mean, since that day, I've never been the same. I say that for you, Gotti. Oh, Dallas, I say that for you. There's a passage that I was going to share with my leaders today, and I want to share with you guys. And it says, they arrived to the region across the Lake of Galilee. And as Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time, he had, was homeless and naked, living in a cemetery outside of the town. And as soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and he fell down in front of him. And he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Please don't torture me. And Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. The spirit had often taken control of the man, even when he was placed under guard and put in the chains and shackles. And he simply would break them off and rushed out in the wilderness, completely under the demon's power. And Jesus demanded, he said, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for he was filled with many demons. And the demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. And there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding the hillside nearby. And the demons begged and let him enter the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. And the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. This is important. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. And people rushed out to see what had happened. And a crowd soon gathered around Jesus. And here it is. Here it is, church. And they saw the man who had been freed from demons and he was sitting at Jesus' feet and he was fully clothed and he was perfectly sane and they were all afraid. And those who had seen what had happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed and all the people in the region begged Jesus, go away and leave us alone for a great, great wave of fear swept over them. And Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing, and left crossing back to the other side. And the man who had been freed begged to go with him. And Jesus sent him home. And look what he says. No, go back to your family and tell them everything that God has done for you. You know what this man did? He went all through the town proclaiming the great things that Jesus had done. Why am I sharing this verse? Because moments like this are a reminder the heart of God. And the heart of God for me years ago was to learn how to sit at the feet of Jesus. And never get up from the feet of Jesus again. You feel this presence you feel right now? Because you're sitting at the feet of Jesus. The worst thing that you could do in your life is to get up from this place. You sit here for the rest of your life at Jesus' feet. Because at his feet, the demoniac, who was known as the crazy man of town, 
the Bible says he was now sane in his mind. And not only that, but because he sat at the feet of Jesus, he now took Jesus to the whole town and told everyone what had happened in his life. All of that is because he stayed at the posture of sitting at the feet of Jesus. So, Kali, what you're experiencing, oh, that is what you experienced on Wednesday. It's Jesus removing all darkness and placing you at a place of greatest worth, grace, and power, and that is the feet, the feet of Jesus. That is come up. Kevin, come up here. says the Lord and on that cross there was only a few but today you are the harvest you are the harvest of the cross when I look at my feet I see your face says the Lord a child sits at their parents feet a student sits at their teacher's feet. As slaves, we sit at our master's feet. I find my place in moments of being incomplete. And he says he knows all those areas but at my feet, I make you complete. 
at my feet I make you whole. The man was naked in that story. Nakedness is a form of shame. Nakedness is a form of guilt. If you remember, Adam and Eve were naked in the garden. And they felt to make themselves right, they needed to put clothes on their nakedness. But what they didn't know was, as they stood before me, their hearts were still naked before me. So the Lord says, at my feet, I put on garments of righteousness. At my feet, I've made the perfect sacrifice so that you could wear the garments of that sacrifice. In the garden, I had to sacrifice an animal and I put the skin of that animal upon Adam and Eve. And when I started my ministry, says the Lord, John the Baptist looked at me and said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I had to be the sacrifice, the Lamb that was slain for your sins so that then you could wear my garments and say you could put on my clothes. So today I clothe you with clothes of righteousness. I clothe you with the garments of the Lamb of God. And your nakedness is no more, says the Lord. Your past is no longer remembered. The evil is done. The bondage, you're free. For today I put on my garments. And now praise would come out of you. Praise will come out of you. Praise will come out of you. I receive your tears, my daughter, he says. For those tears are ointments to my feet. You wash me today. You wash my feet with your tears. (laughs) Says the Lord. (laughs) For many come before my presence. And they don't even acknowledge me. But today your tears wash my feet, says the Lord. They fall at my feet and I know every single one of them. I know where they come from. I know the origin of them. And I place them all in a bottle. I know your every tear, the ones that are here and the ones that you've shed. Hallelujah. 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 Freedom is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Showers of mercy and grace falling on everything. There is freedom where the Spirit 
of the Lord is. There is freedom. There is freedom when you're tired and when you're thirsty. There is freedom. There is freedom. There is freedom. Freedom reigns in this place. Freedom reigns in this place. Freedom reigns in this place. Showers of mercy and grace. Showers of mercy and grace. Falling on everything in this place. There is freedom in this place. There is freedom in this place. There's freedom in this place. When you're tired and you're thirsty, you're tired and you're thirsty, there is freedom. There's showers that are falling on you today. Showers of grace, showers of mercy. Your pain is released from you. Your hurt is gone forever, says the Lord. Oh, I put garments of fine white linen. Garments of praise. Showers of mercy, 
church can we declare this today that not only is there freedom at the name of Jesus but that there's also victory that is found in his name you know we see it all over scripture when when he says that who the son sets free is free indeed and so many times maybe we pray that over our own lives the Lord that I need freedom and sometimes we just don't see the freedom as, as fast as we would like. But it's in those moments where, where God is really just speaking to our hearts and saying, just, just wait, just hold on, just a, a little bit more. And what we witness here within the body is, is confirmation that his word holds true when he says, I'm going to set you free. And in that freedom, there is victory. Can we give the Lord the greatest praise in that here today? Man, that Lord God, Lord, we just thank you for the freedom, Lord. But most of all, Lord, we thank you because in that freedom, we are victorious through you, Christ Jesus. So Lord God, in this moment, Lord, I just pray, Lord God, I pray for an anointing, Lord. I pray for a movement of the Holy Spirit like never before, Lord God. Because we have been set free, Lord. A broken chains over lives here today. Lord God, that you have made every crooked place straight. Lord God, that every valley has been brought up, Lord Jesus. Lord, the things in our lives that need to be taken away, Lord, that you have come and you have infiltrated the heart, Lord God. So, Lord, we thank you for victory, Lord. Because we are no longer children of darkness, Lord, but you have called us into your marvelous light. And, Lord, as we sang earlier, Lord, 
that you are way maker in every situation, Lord God, in every circumstance, Lord Jesus, that you have made a way. And we rest in that here today, Lord God. We surrender everything to you, Lord Jesus. Victory. Can we continue hearing the song that there is victory in his name? Victory in his name. There is freedom in his name. There is healing in his name. There is peace found in his name. There is grace. Come on, church. There is grace found in his name. There is mercy found in his name. Come on, just start proclaiming that here to church. What is found in the name of Jesus here today? And it may look different for all of you. But I can tell you, we have witnessed here today that one thing is certain, that freedom and victory are found in the name of Jesus. There is freedom in your name. There is freedom in your name. There is freedom in this place. There is freedom in this place. There is freedom in this place. There is freedom in your name. Showers of mercy. Showers of your grace. There is freedom in this place. Showers of mercy. Showers of your grace. There is freedom in this place. There is healing in your name. There is healing in your name. There is healing in your name. Oh Jesus. There is healing in your name. There is healing in your name. There is healing in this place, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Amen. You know, the Lord longs for all of us to be free. your life and people that you love. When the mass, <clears throat> when the crowds were around Jesus and they were touching him, there were thousands of hands that were reaching at him, touching him, touching his robe, touching his hands, touching his beard, touching his face, hugging him. But there came a woman, a woman who with the flow of blood, she was hemorrhaging. For so many years, she spent all her money and doctors couldn't heal her. And a thought came to her. If I could just get through the crowd and touch him, I'll be made well. Scripture says she fights through the crowd and she touches the hem of his garments. Most likely the woman was on the floor because she was unclean. 
She probably had to show herself invisible, so she gets on the floor. She probably got stepped on, kicked, spit on through the process, but nothing was going to stop her from touching Jesus. All she did was touch up a strip of his garment. And Jesus stopped walking. He says, who touched me? The disciples got around him and said, Lord, how can you ask such a question when there's thousands of hands touching you and yet you ask, who touched me? You see, there was many people that were there present before him. But there was one woman who was so desperate who took such a step of faith and said, if I could just get to him, I know he's real. He, all she did was just activate her faith. She didn't even get to touch his ankles, his toes, his hands. His, she touched his clothes. And Jesus says, I felt power leave me and enter. And the woman was there. And she says, it was I. It says immediately her blood stopped. She was healed from her hemorrhaging. And the Lord says, go now. Your sins are forgiven. Sin no more. He does this over and over with so many people. It's his ministry. And maybe today all the Lord is calling you to do is just have faith and just come to trust him. Just come and believe in him. And he wants to stop whatever is hemorrhaging in your life. Whatever problems are hemorrhaging, whatever issues are hemorrhaging, whatever it is that's flowing out of you. And you're tired of living with that constant flow. And you just want to be made whole. He invites you. He invites you just to come into his presence. And that's going to be enough for him to do a miracle. He could do it. And what you've seen today is that we serve a good God who knows your every detail. I want you to know that in this family, you are in a place which is safe and a place in which God heals. Because we believe together that God wants to heal you and save you. You are safe and healed in his presence. So as you leave here today, can you open up your heart to that? I don't know where you're at. You and God know your struggle. But I pray that you would not leave here not giving that to him. Let him heal you from whatever it is that is causing you to not be at peace from being an outcast, from being unclean. Let him make you whole at his feet today. As he did with all these people in scripture and as he does still today, the Lord is at work. Thank you, Jesus, for such a beautiful moment in your presence. I know it's getting late. We're going to ask the worship team just to keep playing for a few minutes. But we want to dismiss you if you feel like you need to go.
We love you. We hope to see you in our midweek, our hubs this Tuesday. And we hope to see you Sunday. I pray that you would bring people and say, open up your heart for healing. As you get them ready to come, open up your heart for salvation, for healing. And that we would see the Lord continue to heal and save people. Come on, go out, reach out, leave the nest and do your work. If you want to just sit here for a little while, feel free. The worship team's going to keep playing. Maybe they'll keep singing a little something. And we're just going to sit in this moment. But for those that have to go get their kids, go get your kids. We don't think anything less. Just You could go. I know you have plans. Go do what you have to do, and we'll see you next Sunday. And we'll see you at Hubs. But leave with the joy of the Lord, with his presence that is here today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.